0: I'm going out, I got to go. I'll bang a ring on the radio. So turn it up. I'm telling you, I think I'm ready for something new. Hey hello, it's nice to meet ya. Hey come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey hello, it's nice to meet ya. Hey come in and have a slice of pizza. You're listening to Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lemore. Hello, happy spring to you. This is officially our first episode of spring 2022. So let those allergies flow, right? I know I've my allergies have been worse than ever this year, but I hope you're not having those issues that I've been having. Before we get to today's episode, let's go ahead and get something out of the way. Uh go ahead and open up your phone. Your phone's probably already opened because you're probably listening to this podcast on your phone. Uh but go ahead uh you know if you've got Facebook or if you got Twitter or Instagram or even TikTok, whichever one you prefer or if you're on all of them, go ahead right now and follow Pop Punk Pizza Pod. On Twitter so that way you can always stay up to date on everything that's going on or whatever podcast app you're listening to this podcast on right now go ahead and, and give us a follow or hit that subscribe button as well and that way you never miss an episode when a new one drops so this episode features the owner and founder of Manic Cat Records out of the New York City area and had a really great conversation with Pete, Peter, about how the record label started and how his own band influenced his decision on starting a record label in the first place. And his band's story actually is pretty cool. They got to play quite a few Vans Warped Tours uh, over the years. So we get into that and several other things here on Pop Punk and Pizza. As I was uh s- sitting down uh getting uh ready for this interview yesterday, um I was like Peter James. I'm like that sounds you sound like a like a badass comic book character. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> like, I feel, you know, I don't know what it is, but I, maybe you've been told that before. But no. me, Peter James just sounds like your the the next level spider-man or or just (laughs) something
1: of peter parker
0: yeah i don't know i don't know if it's I i don't know peter james just sounds it's it sounds like a it could be a a cool comic book character or you know it's like it's a good stage name and and obviously (laughs) with you being the you know the head honcho at manic cat records i mean i wouldn't be surprised if i'm going to learn right now that yeah, I actually played in bands or Peter James isn't my real name. It's my (laughs) stage name, you know, but, um, yeah, we've had, uh, we've had, I don't, I don't know if, well, actually, yeah, I, I I didn't realize this until, uh, yesterday as well, when I was doing some research on manic cat records, but, um, arrival town was Mm -hmm. once on your label, right. Or are they still on the label?
1: No, they, they were once on the label. They moved on, but, um, you know, Love those guys, still keep in touch to this day. So really good
0: guys. I was gonna say I've had they've been guests on Pop Punk and Pizza, but I believe it was uh at that time, I think they were assigned to Lost Music, Mm -hmm. possibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um but uh and and we've definitely played your artists on the show before. I know uh Neverlyn was played on the podcast. Um I think Ride On Kid as well. Yeah, awesome. So um so it it's it's cool to finally meet the the person behind <laughs> the label. Um and uh so where does it all start for you? Where does where does your music uh, career begin? Wow. Uh, well, I've been playing in bands, like you called it.
1: So I've been playing in bands <laughs> pretty much my entire life, um, you know, ever since I was 14 years old, doing like, you know, the all ages scene and, and all that stuff. Um, I grew up in the, the New Jersey scene, um, kind of right around where like it was that drive through era where um you know, census fail, hidden in plain
0: view, Houston calls. All those guys were kind of. Oh, connected. Houston calls! Everyone was obsessed with that right. band, right? For sure. They uh, were. They were, uh, Um. Gosh, I, yeah. I just remember all the cool kids, like Houston <laughs> calls. Everybody. That <laughs> was the band.
1: Yep. So kind of growing up in that scene and playing and and all that, and uh, you know. Uh, been playing touring all that sort of stuff and uh signed indie deals signed major deals and kind of got the raw end on both and uh well, it,
0: what what okay well what bands did you play in then
1: um i was in a band um and we were very lucky we we played on the warp tour from 2005 to 2009 um you know and uh it, the band was called reflective insight so okay um, you know this was back when i think it was pre even MySpace. I think like 2007 or something like that. MySpace started okay. becoming a thing, and then, yeah. um, you know, it was still all physical, all physical world. So yes. you know,
0: <laughs> mostly, yeah,
1: yeah. And like 2006, maybe 2007. All of a sudden, you know, we we were able to get our stuff like on iTunes, and and you know, I think it was iTunes and. Mm, maybe something else I don't remember, but it was like two major things. And it was like, how would you do that? How did you do now? It's like, it's so easy. Right. But back in the day, like, Oh my God, how are we able to do that? Like the, yes. the thing.
0: Yeah. I remember, um, talking to different, uh, band members from different bands and, or maybe you were about to, like uh, you were auditioning like new bass players or something. maybe. And it's like, oh, well he knows how to get songs on <laughs> iTunes. And it's like, we better, you know, we, right. we should go with this guy. Right. He knows how to get <laughs> music. <was> like- to. Onto- <laughs> it's crazy. It was like an inside thing. It's like, Oh wow. Yeah.
1: That's like a big, yes. thing. now it's like every aggregator you can, you can pick one, you know, it doesn't matter. There's like 20 aggregators out there. You can just, you know, and they're
0: all, you know, vying for your business. So. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And I think at that time, of course it was, I mean, CD baby was, I yeah. think the one the of the, one. yeah. One of the few ways for indie artists to, yep. Get on iTunes. CD Baby,
1: like the very beginnings of TuneCore. I remember TuneCore. Was
0: uh, TuneCore around at that
1: time? Yeah, they were one of the first. I think like right after CD Baby.
0: Okay. So, gotcha. Yeah, it's
1: crazy. Now it's just like, you know, if you got two years in a laptop and some type of software, you can pretty much record something and put it yeah. up.
0: So, yeah, and and uh, it seems from from what I see, a lot of people are using DistroKid. Yeah. It seems like that's the... The one of the big mm-hmm. ones from what I uh notice now, but um, so you were uh, I'm sorry, reflective insight, uh, yeah, in, reflective insights So, yeah. uh, you guys were uh, like Hot Topic stage, Ernie Ball, like um, what stage we, were you guys? We were on, on, Kevin, on says. Kevin, Kevin says, tour Kevin says, oh, okay. yeah, Hot Topic. So, like, yeah, Kevin, yeah, because it's st- mm-hmm. right, it started out, Kevin says was like sponsored by Hot Topic, and right. I know like in that for a couple of years there it was Kia i think well yeah uh, sponsoring a, it
1: yeah that was a bigger stage i think too it it was, it was
0: <laughs> yeah it's so funny cuz my my oldest brother uh got to play the hot topic stage uh the kevin says hot topic mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. in 2006 for like four dates and really cool. it was so tiny it was it was one of those <laughs> stages to describe it like it was a uh, it was like a what a like a semi trailer, and they just they just like folded out
1: it, well, that was I think that was the Ernie ball stage in the beginning, um, uh-huh. that, you know, and then it kind of evolved into like the full sale stage um yeah. you know, we were we were lucky like in our last run uh, in two thousand and nine, we actually toggled between Ernie Ball and Kevin says, so it was actually oh nice, cool. yeah, it was a lot of fun,
0: yeah, uh-huh. I know by the time I got to play the Kevin says stage, it was sponsored by Kia, mm-hmm. and I think it was like solar powered and yeah it was a much it was a much bigger stage it wasn't like this tiny ass stage and i felt really i felt like so unworthy i'm like i don't deserve. it's like i should be playing the the tiny version of this right right now it it was really cool
1: because when we were doing that um they they just have the best staff and the best production ever and it's just it was wild we're getting on you know we get in your gear like right up to the stage and they're like all right we got it from here all right cool it'll be up there it'll be ready to go go like and we're like nah dude we're, we're good we can do it ourselves like nope 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 we got it all under control it was,
0: <laughs> was it um brooklyn yes, that, yes. yeah
1: yeah i remember Bro- i was gonna say i was like i didn't know if you knew brooklyn but he was there yes for a i love brooklyn it was
0: yes that was the <laughs> guy that was the guy that was running. Kevin says yes. when when the the one time I played, and yeah, uh, he was just great. He's like,
1: "Don't worry, just get your gear here. It, it'll be there. It'll be all plugged in and be ready to go." You know, just let me know if you need anything special. I was like, "All right, we, awesome. we, we don't feel that. <laughs> we are nowhere near that level, man. Just <laughs> it's
0: cool. Just put it up there. We'll take care of it from there." That's so that's so cool, though. I mean, that's that's amazing that you had the chance to be a part of it's of lovely. that of that many warp tours um
1: we actually did 2018 too the last full run as a label so we did the whole run as a label Oh no way that's yeah
0: dude that's so cool wow
1: so it's cool but it's not because you know when you get to my age um you have (laughs) illusions of grandeur at some point because you're just like oh i did this 10 years ago no big deal i could do this i know what to expect i know you know and i don't even have to play i just have to show up and just you know set up the tent
0: and and, and you're easy. like i'm dying
1: yes three days in i'm like all right my back is like a pretzel i haven't slept well in a week and yeah this is not gonna
0: oh man so. yeah i know just from that one day that we played i was exhausted and i thought how do bands do this that even just do it for one week yeah it's, it's, all, exhausting. About age, it's
1: all about the age if you're in your 20s you got it I was at that point fast approaching my forties and I'm like, Oh no, no, no. this, this is terrible.
0: Well, I was 18 and it was hard. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but I'm trying to, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, um, I, I, and I, I've often, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot and I'm sure uh, this was the same experience for you, even just being a, a vendor on the tour, but, from where your, your, your bus or your van or whatever vehicle you're driving, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you're parked is far away from where you have to set up. I mean, and sometimes I'm sure it depends on the date, you know, sometimes you might be closer than Mm -hmm. other times, but when, when we played in Noblesville, Indiana, (laughs) it was, it, it felt like it was a mile or two <laughs> like, yep. and we had to haul all of our, all of our gear mm-hmm. from that far off spot to, you know, the, oh, yeah. the, the stage yep. and we didn't, we didn't have the, like the carts and dollies oh, wow. that everyone else oh, had. you oh, know. Wow. So, yeah. So we were hauling all this stuff and just freehand. Yeah. By hand. So, um, and it was, it was as humid as could be, yeah. you know, cause it's, it's August mm-hmm. or the, or it was either the last week of July or, or, or the first week of August, one mm-hmm. of the two. So yeah, it was, you know, but it's an experience, but yeah. So that last year though, I mean, was it good for manic cat? Mm-hmm. I mean, what was that last year like being you must have had like i can't imagine um from your experience in the 2000s and then walking in not only like 10 years later but from a vendor standpoint right versus a performer standpoint it's really different
1: um the the whole scene has just changed though in in such a weird way though um I don't know. I think it's the digital. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, just talking to kids, it was a lot different vibe. I mean, I know back in the day, you know, people were more into it. I think a lot of people were just like, hey, I'm like, because I used to interact with everybody, you know, just kind of get a vibe because our label has a little bit of something for everybody. So I would yes. talk to kids that would come up and be like, oh, what are you into? What bands are you here to see? That kind of deal. And just kind of gauge what they're into. If it's like an all-time low vibe or if they're more like emotionless and white, you know, I knew kind of who to direct them to. On our roster, and a lot of them are just like, "Yeah, I'm just here because it's the last one." So I had like a total FOMO vibe, and I'm like, "What? What is going on right now? Like, I don't get this. It's so weird."
0: Yeah, yeah. So it, I, I would imagine um, being there for the last one. It's just so many, yeah, so many different emotions going yeah. on. It's it's hard to kind of gauge, and obviously, yeah, there's that generation. Like, I even. I even feel a generation gap since I started Pop Punk and Pizza, you know, like mm-hmm. we're five years in and, awesome. and I already like feel like a dinosaur <laughs> <You know? laughs> compared to compared to now, even right. from then. And I guess it's just because now I'm I'm in a new decade. I'm in my 30s. I'm not mm-hmm. in my 20s anymore. So right. yep. it's like I think that's probably part of it. But there's also. There's also, and, and I'm, that, that's part of it too, like from when you were on the uh, Vans Warp Tour in, in the 2000s, mm-hmm. it was a completely dinner, different generation from when you were there in the, the 2018s, the, 20, the 20-teens, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, completely different um, generation kind of, you know, jumping into the scene yeah. at the time. You
1: know, it's a totally different vibe, totally different. You could, you could just feel the nostalgia that you walk on site you're just like, oh my god I'm back it's just so wild it's like surreal you know yeah Um. you know we pick up the tour like in Pomona California and it was just wild and I'm like oh my god I can't believe I'm doing this all over again <laughs> 10 years later what the hell is wrong with me <laughs>
0: so so <laughs> yeah I mean you well you're you're trying to push your label you know and yeah, I mean totally. it's, considering it was the the final Vans Warped Tour you're probably mm-hmm. like damn like yeah I, mean, I want to be on this last one you know right absolutely um, cuz i mean it it's probably in in some ways it's probably easier to follow a whole tour than it is to go to several of these festivals around the country right because and and i remember hearing kevin lyman kind of explain this when they went from doing the cross country warp tour to when they did like the 25th anniversary Mm -hmm. yeah and they just had like the the three i think it was two or three different locations right he Uh. was talking about how it was actually more work yes to do that Mm -hmm. than to have yeah than to have 50 or 40 dates across the country just because it's it's a, a um it's just a lot of work for one day, I guess, or one weekend. Either, right? You know, but oh. it, it would be the same. Like I'm sure, because like let's say you're gonna let's say if you decided, okay, we're gonna uh, be a vendor at Riot Fest, and maybe mm. you are. I don't know, but you've got to fly out all your stuff there, or you got to drive out all yeah. your your stuff there, and that's expensive and right uh, could get damaged. Mm-hmm all that stuff.
1: There, there's a lot there. And you know, also you got to remember too, by that point, they had this down to a science, you know, you yes. know 20 plus years of doing this it's like old hat. You know what I mean? You got that route down, you got everything down. It just kind of, it's like a well-oiled machine by that point. You know, now you're changing everything Like they're learning on the fly, you know, fly-ins and everything. So
0: yeah, Yeah, I could
1: easily see him saying, Hey, (laughs) this is way more of a pain than, uh, than doing like the 50 dates. Cause again, they know what to expect.
0: Right. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, but let's, let's get back to, um, being so what happened to reflective like
1: uh after you know the last 2009 tour um you know we we well right before that we basically you know had gotten out of like a couple of really bad deals and we're like okay we're just going to put this out ourselves we had to finish our record and um it had done pretty well well received on the tour and um we're like, you know what, let's just do this as a vanity. You know, we actually did it on, you know, right before we were teasing the name and everything. So Manicat actually was a vanity label for, for us. It just, that's how it started. Oh, okay. Um, you know, just to put out our content, you know, just to have something, you know, uh, other than just us. Yeah. Um, we got back from the tour and we're like, you know what, this could be a thing. The logo was getting received pretty well and, and all that. And, um, like okay, so let's make this legit. Let's sign a couple of bands under under the roster, and we'll we'll do this thing for real. Um, yeah, it, it just it was one of those things that just it wasn't the timing uh, where it needed to be because I just did not have the support or just the corporate background yet to kind of like fully wrap my head around everything that would be going on. Um, and it just kind of fell apart to be quite honest, you know, by like 2010, I mean, we were just like tabling everything. We're like, okay, this is, this is not, this is not what we want. This is not where it needs to be yet. And, um, I was kind of done with it and, uh, it wasn't until 2014 where we brought it back in full swing. So, um, you know, older, wiser, I had done the corporate thing. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, what, so you, you talked about having bad deals. In your previous band, bad record deals. I assume mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. you're talking about. What right. were, I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you to name names or right. name labels, but right. what what were the 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 premises of those bad deals? What made them that way? Or, or in your eyes, what is a bad record deal? So, I mean, for us,
1: it was a very beginning uh, of the 360 um concept and uh it, it just wasn't it wasn't what we wanted um you know quite frankly i mean we were also i was also older too you know i wasn't like you know in in my late teens early 20s um just the things that were thrown at us. I'm like, there's no way we could, you know, I was thinking worst case scenario. I was thinking like, okay, if this goes sideways, you know, we're, we're done for, um, you know, you usually don't want to think that way, but you kind of have to, um, yeah. and, and we we're just like, there's no way we can sign this. There's just no way, you know, cause if this in a perfect world, yeah. If everything goes according to plan, great, everybody's happy, but what happens if it doesn't, and then we're screwed, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, that, it was that point where I was kind of like, OK, you know, we need to kind of step, step back and reevaluate this. So
0: what were what were some of the de- <clears throat> the details in the deal, though? Was it like a a traditional record deal where they give you an advance and then? Right. Absolutely. Simi- okay. But
1: but you know there it was like again the beginnings of a 360 where you you're mm-hmm. fronting everything but they're recouping on everything. So this oh, was gosh. where you know traditional records were starting to you know dwindle down. Um, so they needed to make money elsewhere. And I get it. I understand. There's a lot of overhead. There's a lot of you know things that need to be uh, compensated for. But for us we're like okay well we we won't make a living you know if we're paying these high percentages on, on our tour side too you know it, that's how bands survive that's how
0: bands make a living oh they were trying to take cuts on your well, that's tour. what a 360 deal is. You know, they, they, oh, they okay. front everything,
1: but they take a cut of everything. So they'll front your merge, but they'll take a cut of it. They'll front your, you know, touring, you know, but then they take a cut of your touring. They'll front, okay. you know, they front all aspects, but then they can justify and take a percentage. Oh, okay. I was
0: wondering, I was going to ask you what the meaning of a 360 oh, is. okay. So so it's literally they front everything and then yeah, they, just, all right they, yeah. they take a big cut so yep. like they offer you everything you possibly need pretty mm-hmm. much right but you know there's there's strings attached unfortunately oh yeah I mean and I, and I get it I get why but yes it's hard it's hard
1: to survive if you're you know unless you're you you cross that threshold um it's tough
0: well yeah because at that point you would have to if they're if it's 360 if it's on everything then you know um, cause I feel like a, a lot of bands that I've talked to that have had deals, it's usually just kind of pertaining to the record and then mm-hmm. w- what they do as far as touring or shows go, it's just between them and their agent, their right. booking agent. Right. And you know? that's a great deal. So, yeah. Right. I would, gosh, that would, yeah, that would suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, unless you are uh, an artist who is just doing super well. Right that's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm.
1: because yeah you still have your agent in there too you still
0: have your management
1: in there if you have management like everybody kind of needs to get paid the artist is the last one to get paid yeah so it's tough they're the ones putting in a lot of work but they're they're the last ones to get paid so Mm -hmm.
0: it's kind of like um how some bands have referenced how they've gotten so much fame but they're broke yeah Oh yeah. Absolutely. They're still eating ramen. They might yeah. be really well known, but mm-hmm. they've got nothing to yeah. to show for, sure. for it. You yep. know. Yep. Well,
1: from- it just comes back down to like you're spending more than you're making. So like yes. if your is costing X and you're only making X, you know, plus Y, well, I mean, you yeah. know, you're only left with what whatever that, that value is.
0: So um. So, so coming, uh, what happened between like 2010 and, and 2014? I'm, it, it sounds like you, you left your band and did work elsewhere.
1: Yeah. What did corporate you do? World. I was, I was in the corporate world. Um,
0: I have a marketing and advertising background,
1: so, okay. you know, that's what I was doing. Um, you know, it was, it was a little soul crushing. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> you know, you're a corporate entity. So, you know, but I learned a lot. I, I was very fortunate. I, I had a lot great manager that I learned a lot, a, a lot of things that I instilled in, in my business model and just the way I run my team, I, I learned from her. Um, so I was very fortunate in that, but, um, just, just the overall corporate structure just really wasn't for me, you know? So, um, you know, it wasn't until like a friend of mine actually pulled me back in because he was like, Hey, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Right. And you know, I had I had enough experience at that point where I'm like, okay, I, if we're doing this, I need to do this the right way. You know um, it can't just be me with a phone and, and deal <laughs> dealing with everything and email and just dealing with this all over again because, you know, I had a little bit of PTSD from the first go
0: around. So I, you know, I bet. Yeah. There's a lot. You know? Yeah. When, uh, when you're, don't have the, the proper background. It really right. throws you for a loop. Absolutely. Can, yeah. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It just, it throws you absolutely. It can make you batty, you know?
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you got to realize I had a full-time job at that time. I had the band, you know, we were kind of on a break or whatever, but then I was trying to run the label full-time soon. It's just something had to give. It just wasn't, you know, and it was just me, you know?
0: And that was a hard time to start a label too. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. So. so so you're working your corporate gig in mm-hmm. in marketing. Right. Um you you're getting tired of it. Your your fr- friend approaches you and was how did he approach it? Just like, "Hey, let's bring back the label," or was he like, "Hey, I'm in this band. Would you want to bring back the label so you can sign us?" Or what
1: was No. The- it really was like, hey, I've been really toying around with starting my own label. You know, and I think the, first, the if I remember correctly, I think the conversation was more like, hey, do you have any pointers? I'm thinking about doing this. Okay. And then somehow we evolved into bringing back the label and starting all over again. And I'm like, oh, God, what am I doing? Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> this time you had, you know, you had the business. Yes. Experience. Definitely. Yeah. So, it was a lot easier. It was definitely a lot easier for sure. So, you start back up in 2014. Mm-hmm. What was what was that like? How did you start off with that? I mean, did you literally wipe the slate clean? Yes. yes. And and how how did you do that? What was one of the first things you did?
1: So, the first thing was, you know, finding the right people that it makes sense to build your core team. That's obviously the biggest deal. Um, And then after that, and and every band will probably kind of get this too. Like, you know, you were in band, so you understand how this works. It's like, you know, it's the same thing with a new label. Like if you're a new band, right, you can't just go to the biggest venue in town or in the scene and play it because they don't care. You know what I mean? Like you have zero following, you have a zero metric, you know, no one's heard of you. You you can't just go from zero to 60, you know, you kind of have to build your way up and build your, you know, uh, your credibility. Right. So like kind of the same thing had to start with us too, as a label, you know, we hadn't been around for so long, you know, no one knew who the heck we were. So kind of had to start from square one again you know, look for local musicians that I really liked in the scene and kind of respected and, um, you know, and and really kind of take it from there. So, um, it was interesting, uh, to say the least. And it it was different because, you know, as artists too, they're just like, well, what have you done? You know, who have you worked? with? so it was like, it was a give and take, um, you know, and it was kind of interesting trying to court them i remember because they were like yeah like so why why what do you have to offer (laughs) like yeah yeah right very different it it was an interesting kind of experience for a while until we we kind of started getting the ball rolling so
0: so so what were what what were you offering bands then to start off with what kind of You know, what was the the essence of the deal? So, I mean, starting because I would imagine pretty much starting over. I mean, it's not like and it's not like you're going to do a traditional record deal where you give them an advance. And I would imagine anyway, but I'm just curious how that.
1: So. I mean and that hasn't really changed um you know our business structure our business model our core core values haven't really changed from the beginning um we're pretty tried and true with them um you know basically we bring to the table what an artist needs to succeed uh without you know a lot of the the nonsense that you know bigger deals come with you know not to try and give away everything you know I, you know No you know, I
0: understand I know you can't give right. you know right. but but just like I, if, you know, little examples.
1: Here yeah. Now. So I mean, like that hasn't changed. That being able to have them record, you know, um, with a lot more ease and flexibility, you know, things like that.
0: Yeah, that helps. <coughs> Definitely. Me. Yeah, I, that helps a lot. Um, but you know, getting back into it, what was one of the the things you thought would be easier and ended up being harder, or vice? vice versa. Well, it was something you sure. thought would be harder but was was easier. What were you? I mean, you talked about you know, like courting the bands and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, getting getting them to give you a chance. Right. Exactly. That was definitely one of the hardest. But secondary, and this is something I really thought
1: for sure, I was like, well, I have a background in marketing, this should be no problem. You know, I've done this for years. And, you know, things have changed, things have evolved. And, you know, all of a sudden, you have all these social media platforms, and it's not traditional advertising anymore. And, you know, who cares about digital? (laughs) You know, it's just, it, it was a different animal. It was just kind of relearning and restructuring kind of how I did business too, like, you know, in, in, in my past life and kind of relearning the wheel, so to speak.
0: And, and I mean, that's obviously something you have to do constantly. And, and right. once again, everyone had to do that with the pandemic. Right. Um, so, you know, what was, what was that like for Manic Cat to go through the pandemic? What, how did you guys kind of retool?
1: So for us, I mean, we kind of took a step back and it was rough. I mean, obviously it was rough on a lot of uh, all the artists and, you know, labels and everything. I mean, the fortunate thing for us is we, our structure is kind of very sound at, at that point when the pandemic hit. So we were able to definitely just retweak and just in terms of like us being able to ride the wave, we were fine on a financial level. Um, You know, it was more keeping our artists active and top of mind. And how do we do that without touring? Because, you know, if someone tells you touring is not a big deal, they're absolutely wrong. Touring is still the best way and and the only way in my mind to, like, really get tried and true, you know, hardcore fans. Your casual fans are great, but they're not going to buy anything. They'll scream you, but they're not going to sit there and they're not going to support you. They're not going to buy, you know, all your merch. They're not going to buy every version of your record. They're not going to, you know, buy all, all your, you know, everything you offer. So you kind of have to be out there and make that connection, you know, one on one.
0: You, you have to, you have to be well-rounded and, and you you can't be the good old fashioned face-to-face all the time um, show. You know, right. you can't, you can't beat that as long as it's done. Right. Of course. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel that way. You can't beat it. I, I still come across, uh, pieces of, of advice and information from people that say, you should still be physically passing out flyers mm-hmm. to your shows yep. and things like that. Like, and obviously you just have to find different ways to do it. Right. But it's still, it's still a good way to, uh, the street, uh, actual street promo is, is mm-hmm. still a good tool. Yep.
1: It's, uh, you know, social media is great, but it, it's not a replacement for traditional means, you know, it's an addition to not an instead of, mm-hmm.
0: so, yeah. um,
1: right. but yeah, we were definitely just trying to, uh, keep everybody top of mind, you know, and, you know, can't tour, can't do anything, can't go out of the house for a while like <laughs> locked down, and it's wild. Um, you know, so we just randomly, just out of need, we we came up with an idea to like just do live streaming, you know, on multiple platforms and everything. Call it something different, you know, maybe you know fit some kind of niche or, or need or, or whatever. And it, it was basically just like, all right, let's just do this primarily just to keep our artists active for now you know, um, throw them on this platform, you know, maybe do some couch shows, maybe do some interviews, maybe do some fun games or, or whatever, just something to keep them busy and to keep their fans kind of entertained. Um, because we you know, we're all at home. So, I mean, it did really well. It did way better than what any of us anticipated. Um, so that was really
0: cool. But, and I mean, at this point, um, what, what are things looking like for Manicat now that, um, I mean, I, I, this has always been a topic, but I feel like it's been a bigger topic as of late. And that's, uh, you're, like, what's your view on, on streaming and, and Spotify and that sort of thing? Because I have been seeing some small, smaller DIY labels, uh, completely stop promoting streaming and just promoting, you know, buying records and or like Bandcamp, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, buying stuff on Bandcamp, and I wasn't sure um, what your, you know, what Manic Cat's view on on that is. Yeah, I mean, you know, the way I kind of see
1: it, and, and quite frankly, it's a necessary evil. Um, you know, I look at you know streaming providers like Spotify as promo you know, at the end of the day, you know, no one's making money, you know, on three hundredths of a penny, you know, per stream. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, it's not going anywhere, unfortunately. So our stance is we just basically view it as a a promotional vehicle with a little bit of residual kickback, you know, um, because the playlisting is still important, it still gets visibility. Again, nobody's really making money off of that, but it's more of a visibility tool, more of a promotional tool. So, uh, we use that purely for for that purpose, just to gain you know some traction. And you know, all our agents use those metrics essentially, you know, to justify guarantees and tours and, and booking routing and all that. So, like the metric side of it is really important. So, you know we use it, but not
0: in the traditional sense of it, you know, uh, right. In the revenue sense, you're using it more. Yeah. And the the metrics, metrics. the metrics are very helpful as you just pointed out for touring and things like that. And you'd be like, Hey, you know, um, their newest single is really hot in Chicago Right. right now. Right. You know, you know,
1: let's book this date, but let's get them a really solid guarantee. Oh, what justifies that? Oh, well they are, you know, these are their numbers.
0: Yeah. So. And that's something that I feel um, I don't know if they really had that back in the day, Mm -hmm. you know, even with with radio stations. Sure, they had their numbers, but I don't really know if they I I I suppose there it was more of less of. Uh, a word of mouth kind of yeah. thing you didn't have the hard numbers like you have today where you can literally say, uh one thousand people are in fact listening to this song right, right now in this city or this yeah. state or mm-hmm. metro area. you know right. it's just it's so cool and i'm and I'm sure there's bands that have been around for twenty or thirty years that like man, I wish we had that right. <laughs> Like when
1: we yeah. were, you know, yeah, first starting really out. And, you know, I saw my bands do the traditional spreadsheet too, because, you know, all that stuff, it's all quantified data, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are, what are some uh, new releases coming out? How many, how many bands are Manicat? I mean, since Manicat's been around for uh, Oh, quite some time now uh, i know that you've had several bands on your roster but who's currently on your roster that's got some some new uh tunes coming out
1: so we actually just finished um new age affair came into new york and we spent a few weeks they were here for like three weeks um we were tracking a new record for them so that's really exciting um you know, I try to be as involved as I possibly can, but you know, you, you, you can't split yourself into 20 equal pieces.
0: Sure. Um, are you, are you, do you just do the label or do you have other another no, job or other jobs? Well? That's what I awesome.
1: Do. Yeah. I'm really good for really you. Luck, lucky to do it. But you know, again, I can't split myself into like 20 equal pieces. So I try to <laughs> right. like, you know, I try and be involved in as many projects as I can, but it just sometimes it's yeah. not feasible. Oh, of course. But um these guys, I was very much involved, um, in this record and it's going to be amazing. I mean, we just finished picking out the songs that are making the cut. Um, these guys came in, recorded 25 tracks and we're, we whittled it down to like 13. So, okay, yeah. Um, but a lot of great content, a lot of B sides, a lot of, a lot of just cool stuff. Um, you know, so that's going to be a great release. That's going to be sometime late summer that we're looking to push that out. Um, so that's going to be a big one for us. Um, another band just happy to be here. They're going to be putting out um, a very classic, traditional early 2000s pop punk emo record. Um, I've heard the pre-pro on it. It sounds absolutely amazing. So I can't wait to get them in. They're going to be coming into the studio in a couple of weeks and, and tracking and stuff. So that's going to be a really great one. Lights on the Coast has got a new EP going to be coming out. I think for the records got a new EP coming out. So there's going to be a lot of music this year a lot of music a lot of touring a lot of stuff going on
0: so awesome i'm glad yeah. to hear that um I, I how are so where is the state of vinyl at these days <laughs> from from your uh, angle is it as bad as Everyone says, or in terms of getting it, in terms of getting it manufactured, yes. yeah, yes, it's
1: not as bad as it was. I I know at one point it was something like eighteen month to to, to twenty four month lead time, oh something crazy God. like that. And for us, it doesn't make sense because by that point, you know, the artist's are already onto a, a you know their next record by then. You know that yeah. It's irrelevant.
0: So, uh, have you d- have you taken that hard decision to skip vinyl for some of those releases?
1: For now, I mean, we are looking uh, into it because um, it's getting better. Our, our pressing plant that we've been using for a while now—they swear those those time constraints are much much better. Okay, um, but still kind of not where we need it to be. Um, you know, just yet. But for certain releases, we're definitely going to be doing vinyl. There's a couple of surprises that we got coming down towards the end of the year um, that we're really not going to talk about. It's just going to kind of happen, and everyone's
0: going to be like, "What the hell just happened?" Kind of deal. Um, well, now I'm curious as to what that means. So you got yeah, you got me, you yeah, got got me interested. Know, maybe we'll talk
1: <laughs> offline. We can maybe talk <laughs> offline, but uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> get, But it's going to be pretty cool.
0: Awesome, I, and I know yearly. You, uh, do you actually have any uh, tours that the label kind of um, sponsors? I know you have usually like a yearly show
1: oh, yeah. Like yeah. in New York City, right?
0: Anniversary show, we do that every year. I mean, we had our five-year, yeah. a
1: couple of years back, pre-pandemic. Who knew it was going to be the last thing we did for a couple of years? But Right, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where... It, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work, honestly, um, to do events like that. Um, we just do them where, where it makes sense, We're we're big into giving back in our local scene. You know, we're outside, we're about like at 45 minutes outside of New York city. Okay. So we try to give back to like our local scene and just kind of build up the local market and, and all that um, instead of just, you know, traipsing into new york city yeah.
0: um, plus it's also more of a hassle so oh absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, i mean it's the biggest city in the country yeah so <laughs> we have a really cool event
1: coming up actually this upcoming weekend um you know it's uh a rock and wrestling type of event um, oh nice and, yeah and we did it a couple of years and literally right before the pandemic hit we were uh, Actually, it was like February, late February. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And we were just watching what was going on um, overseas. And we're like, oh, man, I really hope this doesn't make it over here. You know, fast forward two weeks. We're on True. lockdown.
0: Right? I was uh, going to say, it didn't take yeah. long.
1: Yeah, it did not take long at all. So, but it was very well received. Um, we did it for charity. Um And it's like a local wrestling promotion that we've we worked with, and they're just great, great group of people. Um, You know, their their wrestling talent kind of behaves similar to how our artists behave in terms of like how they they function and how. So there's a lot of of symmetry, you know, and and a lot. you know, back and forth that I had with the owner of that promotion, where you know sometimes you got to prod your talent a little bit and uh, all that stuff. Um, but very similar, very similar um, mentalities for sure.
0: Yeah, it it because it's a it's a form of entertainment, right? So there's yeah, there's that similarities mm-hmm. there for sure, which makes it a a great of live event a great yeah it promotion. was
1: really well i mean there was like four thousand people there um, oh, wow. event but you know basically anybody wanted to can donate for charity that type of deal but it was just mm-hmm. a lot of fun um we didn't know how it was gonna go we're like all right let's let's put this together and see what happens i mean we they think we clocked in at like forty three hundred. the mole said um,
0: that's amazing
1: with very little promotion um, You know, this event we've been promoting for a couple of months now. So we're hoping to, you know, do those numbers and maybe even double them. So who knows? I mean, so it's
0: crazy. So is it like you've got wrestling matches going on, but also bands playing too, right?
1: Yep. yep. So it was like, awesome. the there's like a massive battle royal and there was you know, one of our bands playing. You know, because there was a stage, so uh-huh. they're beating the heck out of each other. And these guys are just watching it happen. <laughs> Playing wow. And it it um, sounds like
0: absolute chaos. Yeah, it was totally it.
1: the best way possible because fans were loving it. Yeah. Um. You know, this go around, there's going to be more surprises, more ways to intertwine our brands and, and our entity because we're going to be doing this a lot more often. Yeah. Uh, their their talent really likes it. Our artists really like and they, they see it's kind of cool. So um, we figured out new and interesting ways. To, you know, because everything you know, professional wrestling is all storyline, right? So now we're starting to move storylines and all that sort of stuff. And you know, uh, I may or may not be involved in in, in the storyline. You know, that kind oh, of oh
0: okay, so, uh, all right? It's gonna be cool. I like that. Yeah, awesome. it'll um, be it'll be like a a pop punk kid versus like a metal core kid you know
1: yeah maybe um there's a lot of cool stuff happening uh it's gonna be streamed on punk Hub live which is cool so oh they awesome. can't, can't come to new york for it or you know just are not this part of the world or country or whatever they can stream awesome.
0: it be streaming live oh cool uh, I'm, i might uh i might tune into that there you go cool <laughs> it's
1: gonna Be a lot of fun Uh
0: it's gonna be interesting i'll tell you that but a lot of
1: cool surprises a lot of fun a lot of uh oh damn moments i feel like is the way we, we plan this out uh, uh there's definitely like the big pop moments kind of deal so
0: sure yeah awesome well Real. i'm a, i'm excited i'm excited for that i hope uh i hope you get the the big turnout like you did pre-pandemic i
1: hope so too i think people yeah. are just like looking for something to do yes um and, and the way it's structured, I mean, it's a Saturday afternoon. And if you're bored, you, you can just come out, you know, one of the biggest mall, malls in the country and
0: just kind of hang out for a few hours. It's so. at a mall. That's even better. Yes. I know. Yeah. Even it's even better. True.
1: like old school, like in-store signings kind of deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Bring it back full swing. I love it. Um, so uh, what is the, the best way uh, that people can support, Manic Cat records?
1: Go listen to the artists. Go buy their music. Don't stream. I know it's super easy. I know it's super just like convenience. But if you want to truly support the artist, go download the music or just buy the record. You know, I know it, it's not traditional, but I know some of the younger kids now and I've seen this Firsthand, it was the wildest thing I was vending in uh, in New Jersey, Asbury Park Punk Rock Flea Market. And after, like, the sixth or seventh kid coming up to me and saying, Oh, you have CDs? That's great. I'm like, All right, can someone clue me in what the hell is going on? They're like, Oh, well, I have an early, like, late 90s or early 2000s car. It doesn't have streaming or Bluetooth, it's got a CD. Uh-huh. Car, so I can't listen to any music. And I'm like, There you oh, go. Okay. So is this coming back full circle? Because if it is, that'd be awesome.
0: So, I, feel, I feel like CDs for the, uh, independent artist or independent record label, they've never gone away. Nah. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they're still an essential, thing. They're, they're, they're still essential. I mean, sure. People are still wanting to buy vinyl more, right. but when it comes to like, when you're being on the road, um, you know, it's still easier to hawk, Yeah. Uh, uh, off a CD on someone than a a record. Well, yeah, because the vinyl is still pretty expensive to press, though. Well, that and it's just easier to transport. It's easier mm-hmm. for the person to take home, right. even if they don't have a CD player or they have to dig out a CD right. player to listen to it. Um, you know, I feel like it's still... It's still worth it.
1: Yeah. A lot of people keep it as a keepsake more than anything I've seen, you know, they'll have the band find it or whatever. And then, you know, they're streaming the record, you know, but yes. they feel like they've supported, which is great. You know, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're streaming it right now, you want to support the band, just go buy the record. Go buy oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Buy their merch. That's, they make all their money on their merch. That's how they survive. So
0: exactly. Feel like a band, go buy their t-shirt or hoodie or whatever. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge help. Yep. For sure. Um, so it's uh, ManicCatRecords.com, right? And that's yeah. cat with a K. Yes. Because um, we just can't so be everyone
1: knows.
0: <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, and are your socials the same as yeah. well? Or is it at Manic Cat Records, right? Yep. yep. It's all at Manic Cat Records. Okay, Manicat. cool. Well, Peter, thank you so much, man. This, is, thank this you, has man. been a lot of fun. I fully support Manic Cat Records. And I appreciate that, man. It was I really do I, uh, yeah, of course. I really loved, uh, really loved hearing your story or at least some of it. I know we could have <laughs> gone on and on about yeah. certain, uh, certain things, but I, um, I appreciate your time and it's always great hearing, uh, the story behind the record labels that are, are, you know, f- helping, uh, the next generation of bands flourish. You
1: cool, know? Man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support and, uh, taking the time out.
0: Peter James, such a great guy. Thank you so much to Pete for being on the podcast. Make sure you head up maniccatrecords.com, and that is cat with a K, you can also follow them on social as well at Manic Cat Records, and uh, while you're at it, follow Pop Punk Pizza Pod wherever it is that you're on social media. We're pretty much on all of the platforms, and uh, subscribe to us wherever it is you get your podcasts. And then you can hit up Pop Punk Pizza Pod to buy some merch. Use that promo code POPPUNK to get $2 off your order. Thank you so much once again for listening. Please go back and listen to previous episodes if you haven't already. And our theme song is performed by Krista Makes of Less Than Jake. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza.